0: Ephesians 1, we're looking at verse 15 through the end of the chapter. If you would please join with me in the reading of God's Word. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you, while making mention of you in my prayers, that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are his riches of glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of The strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He has put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Father, help us to understand, as the Apostle Paul was praying, actually for us centuries ago, we pray for each other now. Father, as we have looked at this verses 3 through 14, and the theology and the awe-inspiring blessings of it. Now we pray, Lord, that you will open the eyes of our heart so that we will understand the riches of his glory and the inheritance in the saints and that surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. Father, thank you. Help us today to know this in Christ's name. Amen. Last week, I asked you to take your directories and pray verses 17 and 18 for everybody once a day that is in the directory. I hope you did. I hope you did. Because I don't really think right at this moment you should stop. So I just an idea. Okay. Okay. The Apostle Paul is praying that the readers of this letter will understand. And I had planned to move into point one today, praise for the believers 15 and 16. But after much wrestling this week, uh, it was obvious that God was taking me to a different position. And as I thought about it, as it sort of developed in my studies this week, And it wasn't really my studies, it was the combination of my thoughts and trying to bring them together for a message. I thought, I need to deal with something. Okay? Everybody in this church knows that I'm a one-tool man. I do not have multiple tools in my toolbox. I have one. Okay? Okay? And and I've made the comment before, and some people have gotten mad about it. Is that I probably spend more time with the Apostle Paul than anybody. And uh, well, how can you do that? Well, that's easy. I read it. All right. Listen, when I read through this, and I and I shared with you last week, there's two blocks of massive theology. In the very beginning of this book, we've just come out of a block in three through 14. Now he prays that they get it. We're going to deal with it again in chapter two and in chapter three. Guess what? He prays that we get it. And, and I, you know, I can't even tell you how many times I've read the letter to the Ephesians. And yet every time I read it, I am stunned by that. Because uh, I guess maybe I've been doing this too long. I don't know. So, two things I want you to think about. What we have here in Scripture is what is the definition. And the second thing is, we must understand it. See, if you know the definition and you don't understand it, how are you going to do it? Right? I can do it. It's very difficult, if not impossible, to do it if you don't have those first two steps. I need to know what's defined and I have to understand it. Guess what? That's true of Christianity. You can't just try to get people to behave a certain way. In a, in, if they do not understand the parameters, the definition of what they are asked to do, they can't do it. Gosh, I had this thing lived out before me every day this last week. I watched it day in and day out. And I kept thinking, you know, Lord, I already believe this. Why do you keep showing this to me? But it became very apparent that very few people understand that. I can give you all kinds of examples. One that I dealt with this week was marrying an unbeliever. All right? Well, why? You know what you just told me? I don't know what the parameters are. I don't understand the definition. See, marriage is a picture to humanity of the relationship between the Lord Jesus Christ and the church. And it's literally fleshed out. If you don't understand it, then ask yourself a question. Why would you marry an unbeliever? Well, what if they become a believer? That ain't what it says. Let them become a believer, then marry them. But see, we get it in our mind, you know, I was teaching on this this morning, of being pressed into the world's mold. Well, I really like this individual. But you can't serve two masters. And I think for myself, personally, I believe it's harder for a woman. Because there's nothing like being submitted to Lucifer. Because that's what you're getting. All right? I mean, you you can't say, oh, yeah, I can. He rules the air. He's in charge of this place right now. The title deed has not been restored to the proper owner. That happens in Revelations. And I, I just can't imagine it. Okay? Now, for a man, it might be a little simpler, but it won't last. I had one of those this week. So do you see what I'm trying to get at? We, we look at it and we think, listen, how many churches or Christians tell people what they are to do without defining it? What are you doing when you do that? Okay. See, we want to exhort people to live the Christian life. We want to exhort people to do what is right. We want to exhort people to live for God. We get them dedicated, we get them consecrated, emasculated, or whatever it is we got to do. And I hear a lot of messages today that... for. All intents and purposes, all I hear is a stinking pep rally. Rah, rah, rah. Jesus, go, go, go. And that's it. And you just sit there and you go, well, what was that all about? You know, we have stewardship drives. We have, uh, you name it. How do you get your people to be Fervent servers in the body of Christ. They've got symposiums and seminars and what do they call simulcast things all over the place. You can see them all day long. Or, in some cases, they give them a guilt trip. If you don't do this, I'm telling you what, God's going to warm up your head. Okay? Or we'll do it through intimidation. We don't look saved. You don't smell saved. You don't walk like a saved person. And we intimidate them. Or we'll do it in peer pressure. I want to be like that one. Or listen, you know, you need to walk like I'm doing. Or you got to do what I, you know, I pray 19 times a day. And I mean, the Muslims only pray five times a day. I do 19, 19 times a day. That's why you're in such a spiritual mess. You don't pray 19 times a day. You guys can laugh about that, but I had somebody tell me that. I just looked at him and I said, I thought we were supposed to do that without ceasing. Just a question. Listen, we do all kinds of things to try to get people to live the Christian life. And I agree. I agree with everybody that's out there right now. The reason the church looks like she does is that we don't have anybody living it. I agree 100%. Okay? but Let me tell you something. You can do all those things I just listed off and probably another plethora more of them. But all these bypass the real motive. What is the real motive for living for Christ? It's the heart. Not my heart, it's your heart. And that doesn't get fixed until you understand who you are in Christ. Do you know your position? Do you know who you are, who you are? In Christ Jesus. And you know what I've learned. In my years. That's foundational Christianity. When you see sick Christians. Legalistic Christians. Weak Christians. You know what that is? They have no idea what their position in Christ is. None. None whatsoever. It's basic. We must understand who we are in Christ Jesus. That alone is the foundation of our existence. Do do you understand that that is what we operate in? It's a, I mean, I hate to put it that way, but that's it. And the problem that I see on a regular basis is people don't understand that. They think, what? Well, you're just religious. No. I'm a child of the eternal God. Ain't got nothing to be religious. If all we do is challenge ourselves to live the Christian life, emotionally or other ways, beat yourself into it, you're going to miss it. You will flat out miss it every time. I asked you guys to pray two verses for everybody in the church by name for a week. I am not brave enough to ask how many did. I did my part. And I leave it at that. I see so many people go through so many gyrations to walk the Christian walk, and yet they don't understand who they are positionally. It's foundational. The principle, I guess, is that I'm trying to get at is this is who I am. This is my position. This is my understanding of who I am and my position. That might be the single most important thing you'll ever learn as a Christian. Who are you in Christ? Paul here is praying. Oh, God, may they deeply understand who they are. Verses 3-14. through 14. You know what? If I was praying it, I'd pray it this way. Lord, let them get a grip. Let them get a handle on this thing. Because you know what I've learned? It is an incredible reality. A Christian... Is one with the eternal God through Christ Jesus. We have all of the blessings of the heavenlies. We are one with the eternal God. All of his blessings, and it's all through Christ. All of the blessings of the heavenlies. Are ours. Are ours. Right now. It's not because you prayed 19 times a day. It's not because, you know, I've got... The only thing I listen to on my radio is Christian music. I listen to the Bible on CD all the time. I don't care. I ain't got nothing to do with it. Understanding our position... That is our existence, okay I want to deal with this because one of the things I have learned and I've watched in so many people's lives there's a lot of people who will read scripture okay and and then you know and i don't i don't everybody says, well, how do you read it? Well, I read it as a book okay that that's just um, that's easier for me. I have nothing against hop, skip, and a jump. That, that's fine, too. I'd rather you read the thing than say, well, you know, it just confuses me. And I know why it confuses people. And it, Now, i got to be honest with you. Early in my ministry, I never really got a handle on this because I was just reading the book and then interpreting the book and then teaching the book. That's what I did. Okay. And what I was watching was there was a whole bunch of people, the majority were compiling facts. And it was funny because you could go back and ask them a question and they would repeat to you the facts, the talking points, whatever it was you were doing. Okay. But it was very apparent in so many people's lives it didn't really mean nothing. It meant absolutely nothing. They just had a whole bunch of verbiage. People need to first and foremost know their position in Christ. Then you teach them how to act. Think about what we do on a daily basis. What direction do we do that? We teach them how to act without telling them their position. We do it lovingly. But we're not giving them the information. If they don't know who they are, they don't know why they should act that way. Okay, from the theological it's called hermeneutics it's tools for studying. hermeneutics is just a Greek word for the tools for my study, okay from a hermeneutical standpoint, what I just gave you is known as positional truth and practice truth, okay when you teach a a Bible study when you study the Bible yourself everything you look at has a positional truth and a practice truth the Bible's full of it okay this is why I look at so many in the church today and they're confused all right Position and practice are distinctive. What is positional and what is practical? When I read through the Bible, those two things are always in my little fuzzy brain trying to say, is this a practice or is this a position? Does this show me more of my holy God in my soul? Or does this show me that because of that holy God in my soul, this is what I'm supposed to do? Position and practice. And what happens is that we we get them mixed up. It's easy to do. Listen... There are some of you who read your Bible. There's some of you who will do a Bible study or something. Maybe they'll do something online or whatever. That's, that's fine. I don't have any problem. But when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of it, how do you interpret scripture? How do you interpret scripture when you read it? Or are you just listening to someone tell you the practice side? Because you know what? That's the norm right now. But it has been for generations. Listen, if you don't get those two down, nailed down and understand them, you will never interpret the Bible correctly. It is flat out impossible. All right. Let me give you an illustration because I know everybody's like, well, you know, I can do it. No, 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 no. I'm going to give you an illustration. One letter, God speaking to a people, God's statement was this. You are, now you are holy. Okay? Amen. Got it. One sentence later, he says, cleanse yourself from all filthiness. Well, how the heck do you do both of those? How do I do that? One is positional. One is practice. Listen, if you don't know the difference, it'll drive you batty. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. I remember young in my walk that i struggled with this all the time. How in the heck am I supposed to do this? I am holy and I hate people. How can I be holy? I don't understand that. It doesn't make sense to me. And so you bust your rear end trying to be holy. But positionally, guess what? Let me tell you something. Whether you believe it or not, if you're a true believer today, You are as holy right now as you're ever going to be. You're not going to get more holy. I don't care if you do pray 19 times a day. I don't care. You ain't getting more holy. Positionally. You are holy before God in Christ Jesus. And you are only as holy as the Lord Jesus Christ. I know. But it doesn't seem to be the practice. You know why? Most people don't understand who they are in Christ. That's why works theology is so massive. I remember when I was in Russia, the Russians are hardcore Armenianist, Okay. And and, anyway, I always get stuck teaching the stuff that says that's wrong. (laughs) But anyway, and and so they, a comment was made to me. And I, and I found it fascinating, but I understood it instantaneously. That Calvinistic view that you have in the churches in America is the reason the church is in the condition that it is in America. You know, we're elect. We just sit there. Look at me. I got a big E on my back. You can see it when you got a black light and hold it up to it. God did it all. And I'm hanging out here waiting for him. But see, in Russia, they're all busy trying to get people to repent all the time and walk all the time, all the time. They practice church discipline all the time. They can't you do it? You're out of here. We'll boot you. Why? That's what it says to do. Right there. It says it right there. All the time. But see, their view is that the only way this gets done is if we do it. My view is. The only way this gets done. Is if God does it. And if I don't understand who I am in Jesus Christ. Then I don't need to be teaching anybody nothing. And you know what? Same for all of you. If you don't know who you are in Jesus Christ. And you don't understand that. Can you please do me a favor? Be quiet. I've got enough people walking around trying to walk with Christ who have no idea who he is. I don't need any more. Listen, Christian, I want you to understand something. Your position in Christ as a Christian. I don't care if you've been a believer for half an hour or 45 minutes. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 50 years. I don't care. Alright? But I want you to know this. Your position in Jesus Christ is the absolute perfect holiness. Absolute perfect righteousness. And you are one with Jesus Christ. The eternal... Unchanging, and that's reality. And it happens the moment of your justification. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Guess what? Right now. Right now. I want you to understand something here. There is no process to this. I am trying to be crucified with Christ. Really? No. That's not what that sentence says. I have been. And the life I live is what? Okay, it ain't me. Golly people, it ain't me. It's Christ. It's Christ. See, This is my practice. This should be your practice. I take that positional truth, and then my practice is this. He lives through me and in me, and that's how I behave the way I do. See that? But see, if I ain't got a handle on who I am in Christ, (laughs) you're going to go batty. Listen, the first 14 verses of this letter to the Ephesians, deep, amazingly deep, overwhelmingly deep. I could preach that text indefinitely and go deeper and deeper and deeper. But here's the thing that I want you to understand about that text. That is your position. Remember, we ain't going to deal with our practice until chapter 4. Because Paul has already begun praying that we get a grip on this. Do you understand this? You know what, there are so many seminars and webinars and growth books on maturity... And and I there's an underlying thing that I see in all of this, whether it is how do you make better stewards of your congregation, how do you get more servants in your congregation, how do you do this thing in your congregation, and if you do this in your congregation, and if I teach you this in your congregation, and you know what is underlying on all of it? If you can get the people to do this, gotta like you more. Do you realize how stupid that is? He's going to like you better if you pray 19 times a day and, and you do your word studies in the original language that that he'll really like you. You know, they said nothing is impossible for God, right? One thing. It's one thing that's impossible for God right now. Did you know that? Everybody's like, the boy's going to come out with a Heresy. It is impossible. It is impossible for God to love you more. You ever think about that? You know what's really cool about it? That same impossibility for him to love you less. I don't care what you do. He pours his love into your heart. How's he going to love you less? That's like saying he really liked Jesus, but now that he was crucified, I like him more. Nah. That's impossible. See, we struggle with our position. I love God because guess what? He loved me first. Okay, let me show you again. Verse six, chapter one, the praise of his glory and grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Verse six, you know what that means? Freely bestowed upon us in the beloved. You know what that means? There's nothing lacking. Absolutely nothing lacking. This is so amazing. Colossians chapter two. Colossians chapter two, verse 10. And in him, you have been really close to being made complete. Nope, that's not what it says. In him, you have been made complete and he is the head over all rule and authority. Hebrews chapter 10. He has perfected you forever by one offering of Jesus Christ. So, positionally Christian, you are complete. Positionally Christian, you are perfect. If you go to, uh, Second Peter. Second Peter verse four. For by these he has granted to us his precious, you understand ED at the end of granted? You know what that means? Past tense. All right. Granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. All right. I'm not waiting on his promises. They've already been granted. So that by them, you may become partakers of what? Of what? Partakers of the divine nature? Now, (laughs) I'm not a theologian, but I do know this. What flaw... Is in the divine nature. Past tense granted you are partakers of what? The divine nature. Now. All of his promises are amen and amen. Drop down there to verse five. For this very reason, okay, what reason? positionally. I'm a partaker of the divine nature. Know that. His promises have been given to you. You have it. It's yours. It's now. They're your possession. You own them. You're immersed into them. They're there. Verse 5. For this very reason. What very reason? The perfect divine nature that is in you Also apply all diligence to your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and your perseverance, godliness, and your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For these qualities are yours, and are increasing. See what happens? You have the position. Here's the practice. We are so... It's like we're trying to push a chain. We want to get all of the practice down, and we don't even know where we are positionally. That's why we get hamstrung with all these do's and don'ts. Well, you can't do that. Why? Why can't I do that? Well, I don't know. Oh, okay. Get your practice moving toward your position. This is who you are. This is how you act. You ain't worth a plug nickel if you don't know who you are. Can't do it. Because then you'll create it yourself. Well, I gave a lot this year. I gave... I am donated clothes to... Goodwill. I did this, I did that, I did this. You know what? So what? So what? I'll give you two illustrations, see if you can do it. Uh anybody know what a tadpole or a polywog is? Okay, I I, I grew up as a kid and we would catch some things and you'd catch one and you'd stick it in a can or a jug or something like that and you'd throw fish food into it and it'd see it swimming around in there and then After some time, all of a sudden, poof, two little legs would pop out the rear end of it. And you're like, wow, that's kind of cool. And then you keep throwing some more fish food and stuff in there like that. And then all of a sudden, poof, you get two little legs come out the front. And you're like, wow. And then all of a sudden you see the tail. It starts getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Keep throwing something in there. And then one morning you get up and you got a stinking frog. Okay? Have you ever seen a baby, human? We don't sit around waiting for the legs to pop out. And then the little arms to stick out. Do we? When that bugger hits the ground, guess what? What's lacking? It's got everything it needs. But then we get into the, well, I want to see the little bugger roll over. Well, now i got the little bugger to roll over. Uh, let's get it to crawl. You get it to crawl. Now, looky there, buddy. He crawling. and crawl. Let's get it to walk. Now, it walks and then it goes right to running and you go nuts. Okay? But it had to mature to get to that position. It had to make its muscles start understanding, I need to get my big old butt diaper up and move it. And then a few years later, we just all walk around, we wave and act goofy. But do you understand something? It was all there before it started. Christians are not like tadpoles. I have everything I need for life and godliness. At the instant of my redemption that was planned before the foundation of the world. That's the same as a Christian. We are not incomplete. I am not trying to get better so God will like me more. Okay? I have to agree with the preacher in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 4. I know this, that whatever, whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. That is an absolute truth. Who did salvation? What are you going to add to it? What are you going to take away from it? You're in Christ. That's your position. That's your position. It's total. It's complete. It's perfect before God. All you need to do is grow. Bring your practice over to your position. Practice your position, people. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Listen, Christian growth. Let me tell you something. Okay, Christian growth has nothing to do with your position. Only our practice. That's our growth. Verse 12, there I just read to you. Give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of of the saints in light. You want to grow? Give thanks for your position. What I have now. Listen, this, this, I wish I could expound this even more. But I do. I don't know. Christian growth has nothing to do with our position. That is done. That is perfect. You're you're as perfect right now as you're ever going to get. Now, your practice needs to come over to where your position is. But if you don't know what your position is, your practice is a waste of time. It's a waste of time. Chapter 4, verse 1, book of Ephesians, has that amazing word, one of the greatest words that you'll ever find in Scripture. Therefore... Why? I'm going to give you two dissertations and two prayers of some of the most eyeball-deep theology you could ever stick a fork into. Therefore, I take off. Take the letter to the Romans. Romans, 11 chapters of pure Knock you out theology. I mean, we're talking, let's drown in the holiness of God. That's what Romans, the first 11 chapters, then chapter 12 starts with what? Therefore, and the ghost of the end of the book tells you, this is how you should act in light of your position. Galatians. Four chapters of horse-choking theology just will overwhelm your brain. Chapter 5, guess what? Therefore, once you understand your position, then it's a matter of your practice catching up to what you really are. I shared with you last week an illustration of a puzzle, and 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 you got all these pieces, and the first thing you do is you turn all the pieces over so you can see all the pretty pictures, okay? And then sometimes what I do is I go try to find the borders. And, but somebody come out with round puzzles, and they ought to be smacked. But anyway, but you you put these things together, and and it, and it can you know I like puzzles. I think they're kind of fun. Sometimes they're demented, but for the most part they're they're pretty good. I hate skies. I mean, do you know how hard it is to do a puzzle with a sky? You're like, I usually get everything done and then there's this big hole. They what what's that? I said, I says, that's sky. <laughs> so Anyway, how hard is that puzzle if you haven't, don't have a picture of what it's supposed to be? Now, you can work at it for a long time, can't you? And you have no idea what you're going to end up with. Nor do you know how you're going to get there. I see Christians who have a whole bunch of pieces. And have no idea what the picture is. I hope that you guys ain't one of them pictures. One of them people. Know what your position is. Because then when we jump back into this thing next week. On Paul praying for us. It is so clear. It is so clear. Why? show us the word meditate means is, is is in the original hebrew basically is a chewing the cud basically what it is is you chew it and you swallow a little bit then you belch it up again and you chew it again and you belch it up again and you chew it again okay that's what each and every one of us ought to be doing with our position That's what you ought to be doing, looking at verses 3 through 14. Wow, look at this. Remember this. God cannot love you any more than what he already does. He cannot love you any less than what he already does. That is your position. God's holiness on each child of God. Is the exact equivalent of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's your position. Once you understand that, practice is easy. Practice is easy. Too many of us are running around trying to do the practice, and we don't know where we are positionally. And I got news for you. If you could do the practice without the person of Jesus Christ, then you don't need a Savior. I'm thinking that's probably not a really good place to be. And yet I watch people who do not know who Jesus Christ is or have their position in Jesus Christ. Either one of them is a detriment and they're trying to do the practice. How many of us have seen people get mad at unbelievers because they're not living like Christ? They have no ability. They're going to act to their nature. They can't do it. Co-workers, they can't do it. It's impossible. But positionally, we have everything we need. All we have to do is walk. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you for these precious souls and their ears to hear today. Lord, I hope that you move their practice into their position. Father, when that happens, the world will go upside down. Father, help us. Help us to stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Help us to be overwhelmed with the amazement of our position. And help us to walk worthy. Father, may we seek your kingdom, your righteousness, and we watch you add all things to us. In Christ's name, amen.